Hello and welcome to Coast to Coast FC, the new Canadian soccer podcast focusing all things CPL, Canadian Championship and more. My name is Felipe Vallejo. And I'm Mike Rice. And on this podcast, myself and Mike are going to dive into match week number seven of the Canadian Premier League and go into some of the facts, stats and moments about each game. And at the very end, we'll pick our player of the week for this week's match day. Make sure to follow us on our Twitter at Coast to Coast FC and on our new Instagram at Coast to Coast FC, as well on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more, so you know exactly when we upload. So, without further delay, let's go straight into match week number seven. And we're opening up with the we're going in chronological order this time. We're opening up with the game of Ottawa against Forge. That one was uh, a bit of a slug overall, I would say. I think it was uh, everyone was putting it down for a nil-nil until the very end, where Forge managed to get a last gasp winner through David Chouinier's goal in the 91st minute. Now, um, Mike, I think this was another case of Forge having it in the palm of their hands and almost letting it slip away. I mean, at the very end, they kind of got the job done with the last mm-hmm. moments, but it definitely felt with the performance in the first half that they should have probably had one or two going into it. But I mean, and we'll talk about the second half and the performances of Tristan Henry, but they almost let this one go as well. Yeah. It was a really good start from them considering busy week that they've had and a tough game against Montreal midweek and got off to a decent start, but just, yeah, weren't, weren't able to create the clearest of cut chances that you usually maybe expect. And just the three shots on target or game from 12 shots. I think that just wasn't quite um, vintage Forge um, to start the game. Um, and yeah, Atletico Ottawa looked fantastic in that second half. And really, as the game ticked on, as we were getting later and later in, I mean, Tristan Henry was saving his team and you you would have thought that it would be Ottawa that would be the side if anyone that was going to snatch one but um yeah Forge in the 91st minute was uh really crushing for the home fans yeah especially with the performance like you said of Ottawa in the second half I was very impressed the way that they were taking it to uh Forge they weren't letting Forge be comfortable they were pressuring a lot they were doing really good passing play to get to bypass Forge's midfield and yeah if it wasn't for uh Tristan Henry having the the game of his life yeah. really I mean he he had a, a record eight saves in the CPL match so clearly he was on something that day um <laughs> but but um yeah I think Ottawa will definitely feel hard done by uh, not getting a win, let alone a point from this. You know, I think it's it is one of those things where in the second half you're getting more and more frustrated because you're not scoring. The goalkeeper is having a masterclass of a day, and so I felt like Ottawa were just inclining to go a bit more forward, a bit more forward, committing more men and uh, more numbers forward, and then that's where you know Forge had that chance to break, and then Troy Nier's goal came in. And we'll talk a little bit about Troyneer's goal afterwards because, I mean, uh, there was some controversy around it. But overall, I think um, Ottawa will be happy with the second half performance and and will be a bit gutted that it's uh, that they didn't get the a, a good result because I think their performance sort of merited it. And I, you know, I think we're going to talk about that as well with other games and this match week of teams that played really well and maybe didn't get the result that they needed. But yeah, I, mean, I think uh, overall, what were your thoughts on the, 
on how the the game ended and and I guess maybe that goal we can start talking about that uh, Schweinier goal. You could see Ottawa pushing, couldn't you? I think they, as the as the half went on, they got so so much more confident. They were hitting the um, hitting Forge on the break, um, sort of long balls forward. Dos Santos up there with Shaw gave them sort of it just gave them extra extra bodies there, which meant that they weren't so isolated. So they could hit these long balls and um, that would break after trying to beat the um, forge press or in transition. And it gave them that opportunity, which they, they haven't had when they've just had sort of just on his own. I mean, he he wasn't started in this game, and I, but uh, Shaw, who got the start maybe as a striker, got an extra body to help. So I guess it helped his case um, uh, more than uh more than sorters. Um, but they did they did create these opportunities. And then you saw the likes of Oli Bassett, uh, Assi, uh, Bauhaus, like the replacements that came on for those wide players up there with them as well. They were getting forward and shots were coming away. If a shot was blocked, you saw that Bassett was there on the edge of the box to get a chance afterwards and things like that. So they were breaking forward, but it just got them caught out on the counter. And when you can bring in like players like uh, Schwanier to be able to rest him for most of the game after a, a midweek game and then to bring him on later on he's got the quality to get forward and yeah it was um certainly some questions weren't there from the community on the uh whether it should have stood <laughs> yeah when i uh put out um a call for any questions opinions thoughts on uh the canadian premier league reddit um there was there was a few comments about that one comment specific from cncp park 1789 said that the forge goal was clearly offside plain and clear if you watch the replay it only strengthens an already good argument that var needs to be implemented to propel this league forward so definitely some strong thoughts there and i mean yeah for my personal point of view uh the call is tough it, because of the way that the play progresses but i do agree with the sentiment i mean we've been talking about how var needs to happen sooner rather than later at this point yeah. because it feels like every week there's a new topic i mean this is not even the first one and or the last one we're going to talk about um yeah. and and it just feels like we're everyone's going to be slowly turning into broken records about this subject so i'm hoping that it'll it'll come quite soon so we can yeah. start to make some progress with it but uh, what, what were your thoughts on what are your thoughts on this comment what were your thoughts on the goal itself yeah no i echo what you're saying with regarding var like we, we we've spoken about it. these things happen and when the technology is out there to use you kind of like you kind of want it now like this is uh it's got to the point where each week there is there are um situated circumstances where the var can clear it up um this one slightly less I think last week I said again as well, like last there was a um possible VAR call where it's so tight, the lines um when it when it's really, really tight, you we can give them a little bit of um benefit of the doubt because there's a defender on the other side who was trying to close down the cross, who threw his body in front to try and block the cross, and the linesman's watching from the other side in that point. And when it's happening in real time, it could be a little, it's, it's good. it was very tight. I think when you watch it on a video, you can see, but when it's in real time, live for the lines, like the referee's assistant running along, keeping up with the play, it, it can be difficult to do. I'll give them a benefit of the doubt at least, but there's no, no, 
not what Ottawa fans will want to hear, but yeah, VAR, VAR is necessary, isn't it? I think we can we can draw a line under that. Yeah, and and it, it feels like obviously if it depends on what side you're on, right? Everyone's going to complain about VAR when it does come in, depending on who benefits from it. Mm-hmm. On Ottawa's side, you'd be like, oh, thank God. You know, if yeah. the, if they do draw the lines and they find that it's offside, you're like, oh, thank God, because we didn't really deserve that. For Forge, it's you feel like you get kicked because you you managed to nick a goal um, when the, pretty much everything was against you, and you're you're kind of getting um, overrun, and so you kind of feel like, oh, that was supposed to be our our lucky break. Yeah. So obviously, there's going to be mixed opinions depending on who it benefits, but I think overall, yeah, VR is something that needs to be implemented because we don't want to i mean especially for the referees like obviously as fans and as players and as coaches the results matter these things matter decisions matter because they have significant meaning and repercussions but even just for the referees it allows them to take a second and sort of review what they just did or review the call that they might or might not have done and it allows them to admit that they made a mistake or that they didn't see it and that's okay that's human that's why the technology is there rather than them having to have to own their decision even mm-hmm. if maybe they weren't a hundred percent because i mean we'll talk about the a call in the in the in the cavalry game where it might have seemed like there was a, the assistant referee wasn't sure about a call and then he made it and he had to stand by it, even though it was yeah. not that great. <laughs> and I feel like there with VAR, it would allow you to look back on it and be like, you know what, never mind. I didn't see it correctly. This is the correct decision. And then everyone's yep. happy at the end. So I feel mm-hmm. like that's something that uh, VAR can definitely bring into this game and, and improve the league. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, there's not, there wasn't too, too much, I guess, more to talk about. It was a, no. n- another one nil game. It might have been a very different game if it was for Tristan Henry. I mean, yeah. what did you think about Henry's performance? He was man of the match. He was ma- man of the week. He might be man of the month because of that performance alone. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about his uh, his masterclass of a day? It was um, it, what was what really stood out for me is how many different types of saves he had to make. Nearly getting caught out on Olympico from um, Bassett from a corner. The shots coming in. He's um, from cutbacks. He's making a save, and then at one point he's getting up really quickly to make another one straight away. There's a break where Dos Santos gets the gets onto a ball over the top, and Tristan Henry's almost in no man's land. He, Drops back, he comes forward to close down the Santos at the right time and he narrowed the angles down perfectly. It was just an all-round brilliant goalkeeping display. He showed showed his true excellent ability at all, all facets of the uh of the position. Yeah. And then I think it's a great performance for him because there have been a lot of, I guess, maybe naysayers saying that, oh, Tristan, you know, he's a good keeper, but he always has a mistake in them. You're never really confident with him and stuff like that. And I mean, there's a degree of truth to it. He has had a couple blunders in his career. That's that's yeah. fair. It's 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 something that happens, I think, to a lot of even top class keepers. <laughs> yeah, every goalie has a bit of a howler every now and then. But I think this one kind of proves that, you know, he's been uh, at this level since the beginning. He's always mm-hmm. been at this level. And he's maybe not gotten the plaudits that he's always maybe deserved because I mean 
he does have a really good team in front of him and a defense yeah. in front of him. And there are other teams and other goalies that don't have that and still per- performing, you know, it kind of outweighs the other, but I think, yeah, this performance really shows how important he is to the team and how great he is for the league as that, as one of the top keepers yeah. in the league. Um, but moving forward, I mean, Forge get this win, but they still seemed a little, a little maybe hungover from the Canadian Championship yeah. game. What are you looking forward to seeing from Forge as they sort of try to get back into the rhythm for the rest of this Canadian Premier League? It's gonna be, um, it's gonna be interesting to see how they get on, like with this week break, and now it's right everything now focused back on the league. They've got three point lead over Pacific. Um, I mean, the teams would be sort of identical other than the Forge Pacific game that where they got the three points, how important that was um, to make sure that they've got that cushion at the top. And now it's just going to be trying to build um, build some gap between them and second place. I think they, they're going, they'll, they'll be competing up there for first place come the end of the regular season. Um, and it's they'll be looking to try and get on the board now and then start bringing in maybe some younger players to sort of catch up on some of these minutes that they haven't they haven't used a huge amount um at the moment just looking back for not 496 minutes for under 21 players so far i think it was so maybe i'll start to try and integrate some more younger players in once they've got themselves a little bit more settled into a sort of better rhythm possibly yeah i think it's something that you know i mean patrice geyser made a good point uh after his match where he was mentioned because halifax i think are at the bottom of the table for eu 21 minutes he said um you know everyone feels like you got to get them in early before the end of the season where it becomes crucial but you don't want to throw players unnecessarily in mm-hmm. when they're not ready so i think it's a good point that you know maybe you know as great as it is to see other teams you know, like Valor putting so many players uh, under 21 minutes in, you want to make sure that the players that you're throwing in, you're not throwing in just for the sake of the minutes, but because they're ready and you want them to grow. So I'm sure Forge will will be able to manage that a bit more. Mm. Um, But moving to their opponent, Ottawa, I mean, Ottawa have been so just, I guess the biggest word is inconsistent. They go from 5-0 Vancouver to the performance against Calvary to then this one. And it just feels like it's a roller coaster Mm. in the last few weeks. What do you feel like they need to do to try to get some consistency in their system so that they can start to climb up the table again and and try to compete with Forge, Pacific, and and Calvary? They need to really start just pretending the teams they're playing each week is Forge because their two best performances have come against them so far this season. Um, you say, obviously, like, they up and down so much, and it's game to game. The problem is it's not in-game. So if things don't start working from the beginning, you know they're going to have a bad game, and the other team have got the chance to really capitalise. They're not they're not changing anything in games. Um, last week when they played Cavalry, not off to the greatest starts, and Cavalry dominate the game. They have no way of changing it. Um, so that's what they they need to start learning right if plan a isn't working we need to go to plan b and we need to find a way to get into this game and put the other team on the back foot if it's not forged <laughs> yeah and i think that's one of the biggest things is is with uh, Ottawa is that they have a certain way of playing and if it doesn't work they kind of look lost and it seems mm. like they keep trying to do it even though it's not working and it's just frustrating to watch and i'm sure as uh as a coach or as a player it's even more frustrating and then you're kind of left to either having to improvise 
which sometimes works, most of the times it doesn't, or mm. trying to beat the same old dead horse uh, in the attack. <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, Ottawa need to try to branch out a bit and find some adaptations to their style of play when things aren't yeah. working. Because in this league, you know, you face the teams, you face only so many teams, they're going to figure out your system after a little while, exactly. and you're going to have to improvise and adapt. Yeah. Um, but moving on to our uh, second game, that was the Pacific game against Halifax Wanderers. This one had uh, another uh, one more goal than the last game. This one finished one <laughs> one um, through goals from Idenizer Reed from Pacific in the thirty seven second minute, and Aiden Daniels in the eighty fourth minute for Halifax. Um, this one was another game where it felt like it was a game of two halves from two different teams. It, similar to Forge, it felt like Pacific had um, most of the ball, most of the possession. They were sort of dominating a bit in, in the first half. I mean, this was a game that I couldn't watch that much of, so I mostly watched highlights. So I will turn it over to you since I know you watch it. Um, what did you think about uh, Pacific's performance in the first half and how Halifax managed to hold on um, in that first half? Yeah, you had me tweeting along, didn't we, on the Coast to Coast game, watching along this one. And like, I think some of the biggest uh, factors that stood out was that Pacific were tired. I mean, James Merriman mentioned that after the game. Um, that it's just, yeah, it's been a very busy week and a very, very tough game against um, uh, the Whitecaps midweek that took a lot out of them. Interestingly, he didn't change too much. Dadaluke, Didich, uh, TMG at the back. Sean Young in midfield, Aparicio in midfield, Josh Hard, Salouf, really similar. I mean, it's only Toussaint got the rest and uh, Stefan Yates came in and Adonai gets the start. And you could see that they were, they just weren't going to get to the fight, like to the to the top level that they can play at. I thought uh, Yates had a good game. Young and Aparicio had a good game, but they was just, they didn't have the energy to really get it to like start dominating the um Halifax midfield, uh, which looks so much stronger with Caligari back. Um, he really, uh, really was um, sort of vital to the way they're playing. And Halifax weathered the beginning of it, um, and they slowly just started to um, just started to improve uh, as the first half went on. After conceding that goal, they started to improve a bit, and then when the second half came, they were they were the better sides. And when you're I mean, Ayman Salouf, who we've raved about in previous weeks, was barely in the game. Defensively, they were so much stronger um, than they've usually been. They look really organised. Um, and then, uh, I mean, Patrice Guys at the end of the game said, like, yeah, we may not have got the win, but for me, this is fantastic because our system is showing signs that it's working. When things can, uh, when the players can get in, into this sort of rhythm, they, would, they ended up... Um, with more of the possession once the uh, game went on 60% of the possession, 18 shots uh, to Pacific six. Uh, six. Um, the the issue is it's just the four on target of those 18. So you can see things were happening. You can see things are working and Pacific let them in the game. That was the problem. They couldn't, they were, they weren't going to get forward. They weren't going to stop Halifax's pressure. And eventually they got the goal that they, they deserved. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's it's the same sort of shades that we saw in the Forge game where in the second half they didn't play as well. They invited the team back in. And in, in Forge's case, they got lucky that they managed to still win. In Pacific's case, yeah. they weren't as lucky and Halifax uh, equalized. But you're right. It was just 
it's tired legs from such intense matches and you could sort of understand because of how hard that they worked in those midweek matches in the Canadian championship. Um, but I, yeah, you mentioned Caligari, even from just a little bit that I watched in the highlights, he was integral. It's night and day when, when Calgary is there, when he isn't there, I even started, like, I read some things afterwards from Halifax fans saying, it's like, well, it's a new, it's a different team. It's just a different team when Calgary is, is, is in there. It just, it, the way that he keeps a tempo, he's that sort of pace setter. He keeps everything organized. He sort of calms everyone down and sort of helps everyone hone in on what the plan is because Mm. he's so, clean on the ball you can always yeah. trust him he sounds he's that linchpin i guess and the team so it was it was awesome to see him back in the team and doing what he did well um and it felt like you know halifax grew into that second half and uh the subs i think made a a, a big um impact as well daniel's coming off mm-hmm. um uh, as well as uh oh, what was his name the the striker that Coimbra, I think his name was. Um, oh, Canada. <laughs> I'm the Brazilian. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think his name is yeah. Coimbra. Yeah. I think yeah. he played really well when he came off the bench as well. And in, in, uh, what I saw, and I think the subs helped Halifax kind of bring that energy in. While, yeah. I mean, it felt like that was the opposite from Pacific in the way that yeah. they brought in their subs. I mean, for you, uh, what did you think about after both teams made their subs? What do you think of the, the, there was a disparity almost between the two in terms of the energy yeah. levels. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was, it was night and day. They, um, they, Halifax, the criticisms will keep be that they were trying to overplay it, but they had so much energy. They had so much movement, but there were times when they could have taken a shot, but they looked for a pass or they could have laid it off, but they tried to run through and try and beat another man. So there was a few few sort of wrong decisions and try not over complicate things from them, but they always looked threatening. Uh, Pacific, you could see they were tiring. They needed to bring on bodies to add something to try, like just some energy to sort of try and slow down um, this uh, Halifax attack, but it just didn't happen. Um, Dada Luque is brilliant. He's as I feel he's been this uh this season, didn't have his best game, um, wasn't as threatening as always. Uh Mukumbilua came on, um, but he pulled up with an injury, uh, non-contact injury, um, which was a little worrying for him later on in the game. Um Piela Moth is sort of easing his way into the side after missing a lot of games um through injury at the start of the season, but is it is isn't affecting them at the moment. He's still sort of finding his feet maybe in the new team. Um Daniels puts in a lot of effort. Um but it wasn't uh it wasn't the the better performances that he's brought mostly because of how well Adonijah Reek played it, it like um and East Longaro we're gonna continue to have concerns about um his movement. Uh, was poor when they were trying to break. He's running behind defenders. Um, so he's not, he's moving. He's trying to find a lane to run through, but he can't find them. He doesn't know where they are. Um, so he, he, they're they're keeping the uh, defenders of the, of, of the position quite comfortable. Um, and that's, that will frustrate James Merriman no end. I think that he, he had these players to come in and try and change the way the game was going, but they just didn't didn't have any effect. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you mentioned there, um, Easton Angaro and 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 Daniels as well. Uh, these strikers that maybe 
Daniels works hard, but um, he didn't have the biggest of impacts. And Isan Garo is just a continuous question mark. And especially with Adonijah Reed playing as almost this false nine kind of position, yeah. um, did so well. I mean, we we can talk about the goal. He just moments, I, I feel like a few minutes before, he did the same sort of darting run from right to left, and then his left yeah. foot shot went wide. This time it was from a a, a bad turnover. Uh, I believe it was from Rampersand that allowed um, allowed them to to, to break. And and Adonijah Reed did the same thing, left a yeah. few defenders in his dust, left foot shot. This time, it, it you know, it, it, yeah, the goalkeeper maybe could have done a bit better, palmed it, and then trickled in. But still, I think it was a well-taken goal. And yep. and it kind of shows the ability that Adonijah Reed has. Um, but then later on in the matches, it, it, yeah, with Halifax, I mean, uh, one player that stood out for me for Halifax was um, uh, Fernandez, the the wingback there for Halifax. He, he was the one that was creating most of the chances. He had that one that he sent to um uh, Timoteo that he was free because that Luke just fell asleep in that one moment yeah. and and then Kieran basket made a fantastic just sh- like like snapshot save uh against mm-hmm. that and uh that's a, that's great for for him you know he's yeah. he's um Kieran basket is sort of the second fiddle it's to start with for Emil Gazdov, that Emil Gazdov sort of has a little bit of a bad form he comes in and now he's showing why he deserves to be that number one. So mm-hmm. it, it puts good fight there for, for the yeah. goalkeeping position. But yeah, I think, you know, Halifax to the width, uh, not, that's where most of their chances came from. And that's where most of the dangers came from. And, and it just felt like they were allowed that space because Pacific were tired and they couldn't cover all width of the pitch. They had to sort of com- just stay compact a bit. And that's where um, Halifax managed to um, kind of exploit them. A bit, but yeah, I mean, what, we 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 should talk about um, another comment that was put on the Reddit post here, and I'm I'm curious to see your thoughts on it. This one was a long one from hundred meter sprint, which is awesome. We love, you know, yeah, that uh, right. people, yeah, that people are are disengaged and they want to uh, talk as much as uh, like or have us talk as much as as they want with with the information that they give us. Basically, said you know there are three things that that I want to talk about um, with the Pacific game. Um, basically, it was a goaltending situation. Who do you start for the next match in the immediate future? Gazdov or Basket? Um, who's the number nine that you start consistently? You know, is it uh, Adonijah Reed, Daniels, Ongaro? Uh, and then what do what what do what has to be better for the subs? Because um, hundred meter sprint said that the last two games, the subs around 60th have not been impressive, and in their opinion, lost the game. Could they have done something to do with maybe having three close matches together? Um, yeah, those are some, uh, I think, great points that we touched on a little bit there, but I'm curious to think more of, of what you think about the goalkeeping situation, the striker situation, and then the subs from Merriman. Yeah, so firstly, the goalkeeping. Um, Basket looked really nervous when he got his debut against TSS and he was all over the place. And then two, now two starts in the Premier League now um, for him, one against Fowler um, and this one against Halifax. He's looked assured, confident. He's dictating the defenders in front of him. He's got very like experienced central defenders in front of him. Dada Luke, very uh, players like this, who's he's confident um, um, in. He's coming out to claim the ball. He came out with that great save and Gazdov's been making errors. I mean, Gazdov's had excellent performances, um, 
with these just errors out of nowhere. Um, I think Basket's performances um, really do um, stake a claim to be the the first pick, but the um, but Gazdov counts towards these under twenty one minutes, and I think that's what's going to continue to get him games. I mean, um, looking at the other players who are picking up minutes for them, uh, Lejan Nuesse, um, backup centre-back, won't get too many games. Uh, Amadume, uh, he's got 98 minutes and there's no one else. So Gazdol's going to continue to get those minutes at the moment. Um, and I think the question will start coming up if they find younger players who are going to make more of an impact on the first team uh, or if once Gazdov reaches sort of more and more minutes and they can start making a decision. I think that's the only thing that's holding Kieran Basket back now is he's got that extra hurdle to jump, which Gazdov doesn't. Um, number nines, Ongaro is really worrying me. I think they've gone out big. I mean, I think the biggest problem for Pacific is how much they've gone out and made a big deal about the Ongaro and Kakuta Mane signing and neither have really hit the ground running whatsoever. Um, Adonijah Reed's come in and been fantastic uh, when he's been called upon. Uh, Daniels as well. Um, I think the, the the good thing about the the other two is that they can move around the pitch. They they can fill in other areas. You can play both of them at the same time. One can go wide, one can drop deep, one can go high. Ongaro is just not finding any rhythm whatsoever in this team. Um, he's not competing well in the air against defenders for his size. He's not getting many crosses. <laughs> Pacific don't play that way where they're looping in crosses. It's mostly mostly from set pieces. He could be a danger, but he isn't. Um, I would stick personally with uh, Adonisha Reed because I think the way that they want to build play, the way that they've got these players like uh, Seyluf, um Aparicio can get in behind, and get higher up. Young's been doing it. Um, Heard on the other wing can get high. So you've got that ability to move players around. Um, and I I, I think Ongar is going to find himself dropping down to sort of third choice and uh, until he starts really changing the way he's playing and affecting games. And finally, as I'm rambling along a bit, the substitutions coming on. Regular, yeah, 60, 65th minute, a change happens up front. But the changes are so drastic. Like, so the type of player is completely different that's coming on. And it's it takes them 10, 15 minutes to start trying to adapt how the team's getting forward into that player and how that player's interacting. And then by that time, the game's sort of changing completely to when they came on. And it just, it's too big a change at the moment. I don't think the players are really... Uh, connected enough to be able to change how they um how they approach games with a different striker. Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest thing is is you know you want to try to change things up obviously when you're you know especially when you're down or when you need a goal you want to change things up so that the opposition can't adjust you know because at that point sixty five minutes in they're sort of adjusting to how you play you want to throw mm. in a spanner in the works so you can create a bit of chaos and get that goal. That makes sense. But the fact that it's so starkly different, not only for the opposition team, but your own team, that's where it becomes a bit of a, I think, of a problem for Pacific because it's it's night and day, the difference between having Eason Ngaro and Idanizer Reed. And yeah. I think, like, they know how to play with Idanizer Reed, maybe because they they're more used to having a player of his profile to play with. But Eason Ngaro is something that they haven't really played with at all. And they still need time to adjust to it. And I feel like 
even Angaro needs that time to adjust to how Pacific yeah. plays still. And so I feel like for for him and for the team, it's probably best that they they kind of maybe take an approach where they start to bring him in maybe a little bit less, but still bring him in just so players mm-hmm. can sort of adapt so they know when they're going from, you know, plan A to plan B, being like, okay, now we're moving to how we play with Angaro and sort of getting used to that in mm-hmm. situations where they where it's not as, you know, make or break as, you know, you're you're leading one nil, but you're you're being threatened a lot and so you want to throw in something different. It's not the, maybe the best scenario for for Ungaro to go into. But yeah, I mean and for the goalkeeper, I agree with you. Yeah, it's uh, Gasov has been making mistakes and and if you're a, a player like uh, Basket, you after even your own nervy debut, you're playing well. You want to keep that going. I feel mm-hmm. like you go with with whoever's playing better, not necessarily on on experience or lack of experience or how young Gazov is or everything. I think you just plan who's playing well, and I think uh, Kieran Basket is the is the is the man moving forward. Even though Gazov, you know, does count for the U twenty one minutes, but I'm sure mm-hmm. they won't have issues with that. It's a long season still. Um, but yeah i mean and then uh, i guess quickly for this one before we move on to third one what uh what do you think moving forward halifax need to do to uh, get a win i just feel like it's just get a win get a result get three points what needs to happen for them to just finally get those three points it's it they just everything's overcomplicated it feels like at the moment there's just they're not they they've got plenty of players who are trying to get opportunities and they're coming from so many different ways and it they they just don't have someone that their center forwards aren't just going right feed me the ball here and I'll make it I'll I'll be able to get a goal they're they're moving around so much and it's it's just so complicated for for each of them that eventually then they start hurrying it a little bit and shooting from random places where it's not very you haven't got the best opportunity um and the good opportunities passed it's still they're a super young team they're super new to each other Patrice Geyser is new to so many of them as well it's a whole new system that they're all learning and I know Pacific were tired in this one um and you can you can always bring it back to that but we started to see a little bit more of them connecting I think um and really getting a good idea of each other and i um i just think that they'll i think they'll ease into the season um and start to be a little bit more threatening and start to be a little bit more composed when they get into that final third yeah uh, and, and i think there is uh, we were sort of asking for him is there such a thing as too fluid and i think uh <laughs> Where the answer is maybe yes, maybe there's such a thing as too fluid. Maybe you know having a little bit of stability, a little bit of you know familiarity of like in a scenario. I know that I have to do this, and I know everyone's gonna be here instead of yeah. just being so fluid. Um, mm. It can work, obviously. Uh, there are teams that are very good at just pure fluidity kind of thing, but uh, with a team like Halifax, I think maybe dial it back a little bit so that way yeah. you can start to. Uh, maybe just 
have a bit of of comfort in the way you play, knowing what's going to happen, rather than relying on on just like hoping to be there at the right time and doing the right yeah. decision in a split second kind of thing. They seem to be fighting over who's going to come away with the most assists this year, rather than the most goals. I think they just need to flip it. Somehow. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just who can get that final pass. You get an extra yeah. prize at the end of the match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll, we they can get finally get some results moving forward. But um, going to our third game, uh, this one was another low-scoring match. This was York United against Cavalry uh, with a goal for York United from Bahia in the 23rd minute. Uh, this was a game where I actually uh, missed this one, so I, I, I had to watch the highlights. But from what I saw, there was a lot of controversy in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read uh, some comments and and some things afterwards. There's a lot of controversy. I saw Tommy Wilden's comments afterwards as well, the post match comments, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, from what I saw in the in the highlights, if it looked like York did continue to play well, continued. I mean, they didn't change the lineup at all from last week, and it it continued to work, and and it felt like um, York are starting to. Finally, grow a bit of consistency. Uh, while cavalry were, it looks, it felt like they were just unlucky at points uh, with some refereeing calls and with some bad bounces and stuff like that. What did you think about this match? York, yeah, really are starting to get a bit of a rhythm. I think they they're starting to get a bit of consistency. They're missing sort of star players like Babuli. Um, they're easing back. Um, Jonathan Grant. He should be. He came on as a sub in this one after missing a bit. Um, Paris G might get back out onto a fullback rather than a centre back, which he may prefer. Uh, but I feel Baldissimo and Sumaro in the middle have been brilliant together. They've really get, got a bit of a partnership going, and they're, they're like we say, Babuli missing, um, Baia, Alu, and Ricci. All three of them maybe aren't uh, to the level of uh, Baburi creatively, but the three of them, one of them's turning up in moments, every, like whenever the uh, whenever the ball gets forward. It's not like all three of them are off for twenty minutes or so. Like one may go a bit quiet, but the other two are stepping up and doing something. So I think they're starting to get a bit of a bit of rhythm together, getting a bit of familiarity, and I think that win against. Um, win against Halifax where they dominated the game last week it's really given them a good sort of confidence boost to feel quite strong I mean Giansopoulos as well had a great game in the middle in goal um, stopped a good few chances um, from Cavalry who I, I, I'm not 100% sure why they changed their system back um, to this uh, 4-2-3-1 um, I mean I'm not I'm not the coach. Uh, I won't um, try to question him too much. He's uh, obviously Tommy Wooden Jr. is a very good manager, but I was surprised to see Moosey and um, um, pushed out wide again. Um, he seemed to be getting his best opportunities when he drifted back inside. And I think if you start him there and allow him to move around from in, in those sort of areas, he could be more dangerous. I mean, Fraser Ed and the Scalante were good going forward again. Um but cavalry just it, it, they they just weren't creating like the, the goal scoring chances that you'd hope. I mean, eleven shots and two on target. So it says it all. Bevan got one where he's running down very tight angle. Um, so they dominated possession, but they weren't getting clear cut chances. And some of that's on them. Some of that's on York for really really getting themselves organised. I think. 
Yeah, I mean, but to be fair for Cavalry, they had that one Cantave shot that just completely hit the post. Like the, the yeah. goalkeeper didn't move, hit the post and went out. So unlucky there. But yeah, I agree. I was confused that they went back to the 4-2-3-1 when the 3-4-3, it was, it, I think for me, it was finally like, oh, this is a new page in Cavalry. It was like, this is what we wanted to see, a bit of adaptation, a bit of something new, novelty to uh, uh, Tommy Wielden's um repertoire and seeing calories yeah. sort of adapt to a new new style and then they go back to the to the yeah. old style yeah. and <laughs> you're, like you're left questioning the team the opposition it's, like, like uh, ottawa go with back three that's what they do okay york four two three one then <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's it's yeah it's just it's very weird there but i mean credit to um to to york as well for i mean being able to um, like you said, shut them down so they don't get these shots on targets. I think uh, York themselves had a couple great opportunities to kill the game off at the very end. Brian Wright had that breakaway basically um, mm. in the 100th minute. I was actually going to ask you about why that game went to the 101st minute because <laughs> um, I had no idea why. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Brian Wright just missing that. And uh, I felt like, you know, York... Are, are doing well, but as just missing a little bit of the cutting edge in their strikers to finish the game off. Um, what were your yeah? What were your thoughts on 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 that uh, on that last minute stop uh, from Carducci, who uh, on his hundredth appearance also did a very good shift. I think he was yeah. very good, made a couple of important stops. But yeah, what well, what were your thoughts and why did the game go to the hundred first minute? <laughs> yeah, I was in and out of the second half, so there was obviously quite a lot of. Uh... Stoppages and injuries, maybe. Um, I, I missed the long, long stop for some reason. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit of um, it's strange. But Brian Wright getting underneath it, like clip, clip forward, um, not being able to really get the sort of the the, the connection he would have liked, and sort of mirrors what uh, De Rosario the saying, like neither are being as dangerous as you'd hope as finishers. Um, but you saw De Rosario bring in the long ball and set up the assist um, the, from his good work. So I think now York have sort of focused on getting themselves organised and I think the next step is trying to improve their uh, the opportunities that their their strikers are creating for themselves as well as getting on the end of. Um, but it's been definitely been a week for a, a match week for defenders rather than attackers this week, hasn't it? Yeah, we're back to the low scoring again. Um <laughs> But even not even just defenders, goalkeepers decided that they they barely want to concede any goals as well. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, De Rosario is an interesting one because he was such a lethal striker before mm-hmm. last season. Now in the role that we see him in, he's sort of getting a bit better in terms of the, his movement and stuff like that. And he is sort of now that hold up player that brings the other players in. Um, but he's still just maybe not, he's missing a little bit of that killer instinct that he had last season in the box. You know, he, he sort of, he was that fox in the box, always being able to get on the end of things and just like toe poking at home um, that he's lacking uh, this season. But he had himself a bit of controversy. We're going to go into some of the controversial calls now because at the end of the match, uh, Tommy Wilden Jr. said that we should have had, you know, six points this season because of but because of bad referee calls we 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 didn't get those six points um and i think you know what in this game i i kind of understand because there was a a handball call on di rosario 
Um, I think it was in the second phase of a corner, a shot came in and Diorzaro had his hand up to protect his face, but it wasn't necessarily in a natural position. Sort of like that, hit his hand clear as day and no call. And the referee was in a pretty decent position. Uh, you can't really expect the assistant referees to be able to see that because it's in the second phase of a corner. Everyone's bunched up. So obviously the line, it's not, it's not clear, but it felt like that was a clear handball. And again, if you have VAR, you can look at it and be like, okay, yeah, it's a that's a handball, and we can call it. Yeah. And it's a different game there uh, for um, Calorie. And then what we can peg on the on the assistant referee was that offside call on the uh, I think it was the Ali Musi goal where uh, Ali Musi was not offside, and uh, it, you could see it on the replay. He was just not offside, and the referee kind of it looked like he raised his flag tentatively, sort of like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't really know, but I'm just gonna do it just in case. And and those are the moments where, like, not only do you want VAR there, but you want just certainty. Like, whether it comes from VAR or the assistant referee, you want your uh, officials to be certain when they make a call. And it felt like that one they didn't, and it was a mistake, and it and it cost cavalry big time because that was a great opportunity for them to get back into the game and and and. And maybe, you know, get three points in at that point. Um, so, if, yeah, I felt like Cavalry were pretty unlucky with some of the yeah. calls. What did you think about the the officiating uh, in this match? It's as much as we call for VAR and it's going to be important. I think the, the, the thing you need to really remember is that it's still used by these referees. Um, and it, hopefully it'll add some confidence to them. They can go back. But I think... What we need to expect once it does come in is teething problems like happened in every um every country it's slowly been integrated into across the world. Um they need to work out how they're going to approach using it uh, once it is here because yeah, the, the the officials at times are uncertain and they're trying to pick, oh, if I let a goal in and I'm wrong, is that worse than stopping it? And not like so they they seem to me, yeah, maybe there's that second sort of second thought of, well, if I just stop it now and he doesn't put it in the back of the net, then maybe that's not the uh that's the better of a difficult call that I'm not sure on. Um and sometimes they're just too so like they go too quickly or this is definitely it without like considering what uh, and really gauging what's happened. So it's difficult. It's gonna be difficult and it'll be really interesting to see how once once VAR is here, how they how they use it because it's not going to be I mean there's not going to be a hundred cameras in the stadium all we're looking through and they can go through all these different like angles they have to work out what what they're going to do from that yeah because that's the thing with the uh, right where it's it's not it's not always down to the technology really what it comes down to is the the referees it's the people yeah. behind it because they're the ones that are looking at have to make calls, have to draw the lines and everything like that. So it's not going to be perfection because mm-hmm. it's 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 going to be on the people itself making the calls. So there will be growing pains. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, looking towards the future, what do you think both teams need to uh, need to continue to do? I mean, York are, are finding that consistency. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for Calvary, what do they need to do to kind of get back on track? Maybe is it as easy as going back to the 3-4-3 three, three, or what else needs to happen? Um, 
with Gabbard, I just think like looking back at it, it's something like uh, Charlie Trafford having a good, like they hit the bar off a corner and uh, deflections. I think they're doing the right things. It's just at the moment, it's not going their way. <laughs> they're, having, they're having so many chances that are just going off target or hitting the bar or great saves and or they're rushing it. I just think once they, I thought that this uh, win last week would help them progress and give them a little bit more confidence, uh, a little bit more consistency, but they're still, they still seem to be trying to find it. I think they're, I think as we, as we go along, they've definitely got a good enough team to be competing up there. Um, and they, they definitely, I mean, Maya Bevan's got three goals already. They've got a goal scorer up there. Moosey's playing well. Um, they, they, they've got plenty of, they've got plenty of opportunities. I'd kind of like to see if they can continue with the back three and the wing backs, but I don't think just the change of um, formation will change everything, um, but th- I think they'll get there and they'll get that consistency, which York seems to be showing. And if you throw Babouli in there to mix up the uh, sort of attacking midfield options and creativity, you could you could see them really improving on a difficult start to the year. Yeah, uh, and I think it's just figuring it, figuring that out, right? And just maintaining that so that you can get a few games under your belt where you're consistently at that level so you can find the consistency because they have the personnel and the talent to be up there with the like specific and forge is just finding that out so that you could you know get that 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 final sort of boost of confidence so that you can you can maintain that throughout the rest of the season um but moving forward to our last game here, uh, I think this is probably a quick one because it's a, it was a nil-nil game between yeah. Vancouver and Valor. I mean, both teams have pretty decent chances. Um, mm. Both keepers made some pretty big saves, but it was a it was a game of both teams creating opportunities, not really f- being able to finish them off. Mm. What were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I completely, as you say, another game where the goalkeepers were probably to, and the centre backs were the best players on the pitch. As always, they were just they were both getting opportunities. There's plenty of shots in here. I mean, um, we check back on how many there were for each side because yeah, 17 shots for Valor, 11 for Vancouver. So for a nil-nil game, there's plenty of opportunities, but Valor two on target from 17 shots is really tells the tale. <laughs> Yeah, it's it. It was just uh, no, no one was 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 finding their shooting boots in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> but but there were still some some moments that we can you know talk about. I think um, one of the biggest things for me was Afshin Gopi, the way that he organized his team. He put Mamadou Kane, who we saw as a center back before, back at at striker, back in the forward line, which is a bit confusing because I've heard of utility players. <laughs> but I've never heard of somebody that is at the professional level plays center back, center mid striker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you never, I still don't know what his actual uh, best position is. Maybe I think it is forward. That's what he was before it became yeah. this experiment uh, and he looked pretty comfortable. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, just the, the way that's Afshin set out his team, almost like a four, four, one, one at one point. Um <laughs> He started TJ Tahid, which I thought was he had a, a terrific performance, uh, really good defensively. He went toe to toe with all of these defenders and, and midfielders uh, that um, were, you know, 10, 15 years older than him. And he didn't look out of place at all. Um, and now 
you know, he has this experience and he can continue to grow and the world is a oyster. And I was very much impressed with, with Tahid's, uh, uh, performance and uh yeah i mean it, 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 i know god likes to tinker a lot and i like that in the coach but when i saw ibrahim <laughs> bakare start up front in the second half yeah i thought this is far too much this is just way too too just like this is uh, this is either like some really like 4d chess big brain kind of thing <laughs> or this is just getting out of hand um and to be fair he didn't have um the worst of performances there obviously he's probably not the player you want there first choice <laughs> um yeah, but <laughs> yeah it was a very odd decision but uh, i just i don't know it's weird to to think of of Bakari as now a right back center back striker kind of thing. It's it, <laughs> yeah, or center mid, yeah, exactly. It was just all over. Um, but what were your thoughts on Vancouver and the way that they organized and defensively how they played um, against Valor at home? Yeah, defensively, really pretty, really good. Callum Irvin's organizing that team really well. Having Rocco Romeo back in there um, really does help out. Uh, the center mids were. A strong again Simmons and Nima in the middle there doing some some great work before I've seen he had to go off and Bakare got his fourth position of the game with that injury. Uh they the they're gonna they tried to hit on the break because Valor Valor have got a really good team they're building together that they're building there. Um Siaj got the start over um Novak. Um but they they still have a great mixture of options. Nyonga Bire has been incredible, so we're really impressed with him. Kim Williams does, does some good stuff, not quite um, to Nyonga Bire levels, but he's got Debrien there getting forward on the left. So they they provide they they've got players who can provide a lot of different opportunities, but the the final ball in or the the shot just wasn't quite right um, throughout the game for them and. At times it was on them rushing or a poor delivery. At times it was on fantastic defending from um, from Vancouver, who are going to look to look to break. And uh, Sean Hundle for me has been a, like the their one of their most important signings and so vital for the way they play. The way that he's got so much pace, but he just he, he just bullies defenders. And they used him on a white in a wide area, which is why Bakari was put up front when you've got Hundle there. Um but when they because they were just trying to hit on the break, seeing that these fullbacks were going to get high up the field, um, using his speed and strength. And I mean he almost set up a game winner right at the end doing exactly that. Long ball, long cross field ball into a corner and he he wins it. He beats off the uh Beats off the fullback and breaks into the box with great speed. Um, but yeah, he was yeah really that you could see that was where they were trying to go, but it just couldn't quite couldn't quite get there. Yeah, I mean that the, that was the thing they didn't have that much possession, especially no. the, in the first bits of stuff. But then in the in the second in the second um, no not even the second half in the second part of the first half. That's where they start to get more chances and more chances. And they had a higher XG by the end of the first half. Sean Hondal had that great opportunity where he like put it in between the defender's legs. Yeah. Um, and and then uh Yesley made a great save as well. And then like a little bit later, it like bounced up and and there was a cross. I forget who crossed it, but it was a, like a laser cross right to Mama Duquesne, hit him right in the face yeah. and almost went in. You know, I don't know if you watch uh, Ted Lasso, but um, 
Uh, right now. <laughs> no, okay. Well, uh, there, there's a, a moment in the game where uh, a player scores with his face and he celebrates yeah. saying, I scored with my face. I scored with my face. He almost had that moment there. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, it, it, it's weird about Vancouver because you don't feel like they're playing well or they're they're like organized at in terms of attack, but then they can just like break and, and have these opportunities seemingly out of nowhere. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was, uh, sort of impressive to see their resilience that, um, they're willing to sort of rely on overhead through balls and like, yeah. like just direct play. They're not afraid to go direct because that's where they can cause issues because they have some pacey players. I think, uh, Nikki, uh, Gimia, uh, when he, when he came on. He was a pretty. He had. He was a, a substantial player, like in terms of his impact yeah. when he came on. He was pacey. He was creating things for them. He he had a couple of half chances. Um, I thought that's what I think that's what Vancouver needs really is a player uh, that they can bring on to bring more of that kind of electric pace and and dy- dynamism because that's sort of what they need to rely on in the attack because they're don't yeah. they're not that structured i guess and the way that they they transition into the attack beyond just a direct ball and just pace and, and just yeah. going down the wings in there <laughs> but uh yeah i think overall it was a uh, um an interesting uh match from that point what were your thoughts though on on valor and the way that they played uh coming into this match and knowing that they the injuries that they've had and they had another injury at the very end again yeah. uh what were your thoughts on their performance yeah, they they perform well uh, on the ball. The um the defensively is really tough losing Samake again, and in future games coming the next week, they, that's going to be um, an issue again for Valor at the back. But their biggest problem this weekend uh, was get, was getting forwards. They they were creating plenty of chances, um, but they just they were just running into an incredibly stubborn and very organized Vancouver defense that just limited all space possible to them. Uh, Walter Ponce came on for Kean Williams later on in the game, added a lot of pace and excitement um, to to partner Nyonga Bire on the other side and Novak there, who I mean, he got his opportunity and got his goal, but it was ruled out for offside. Um, so they did try and they tried to disorganize, and at times they did, but just not regularly enough and. Too often the last ball at De Brienne had so many chances, but too many crosses were getting, being able to be ga- too close, sorry, to Callum Irvin, who was able to gather. And it just wasn't quite working for him. And I think they're still trying to, with so many different types of weapons going forward in this Valor side, they're just trying to trying to work out how they can be as clinical as, as the potential shows when they're in, on a consistent level in the final third. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it that's it's it's the final. I mean, I feel like with every team, it's just consistency. Yeah. From the third. It's, 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 so easy to say, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's so easy to say. It's so hard to do, but uh, yeah, uh, I think you're right for Valor. It's just they they have these dangerous players. I mean, Younger Beer is probably one of my favorite players to watch, um, yeah. in in the league so far, and and it feels like he creates chances and he has these opportunities. And sometimes he can he can put them away. Other times he's still lacking a little bit of that. And and he I think Valor need to sort of bring the rest of the attack with him so he can play off them a bit more rather than him just you know bursting down the line. I thought it was very clever from 
Phil Dos Santos, because uh, when uh, Afshin Gopi changed his team and he puts Quack on one side, um, he man, he uh, Phil Dos Santos put Yungabira on Quack's side because Quack had a yellow card, and so he knew the Yungabira could just have more freedom and more, um, uh, you know, I guess more confidence going into that side because he knew that Quack had to, would have to think twice before challenging him because he might get a second yellow and get a red card. Yeah, it's a completely different game. So I think it was very smart from Phil Santos in that regard. But still, obviously, there's the issue of actually scoring the goals. And it always makes you think of a yeah. quote from uh, Pep Guardiola, where he says, you know, all I can do is bring you to the goal. After that, it's all on you. Like, there's nothing I can yeah. do <laughs> to get you to score the goal. I can only bring you there and through what I can coach and teach. After that, it's yeah. all on you. And I feel like it's hard to expect a coach to get his side to score goals when all he can do is get them to get create mm-hmm. those opportunities. And then, you know, after that, it's 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 all up to the players. Um, but yeah, I think uh, well, some of the performances from both teams were pretty good. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, uh, Tahid, I was really impressed with from Vancouver. Um, uh, Kane, I think actually did pretty well as, as, as in that striker. I think that's where they should keep him. I don't think they can, should continue this experiment of putting in the center mid or center back <laughs> and stuff like that. I think his, it's fine just to, to play him where he likes to play. Um, <laughs> and, um, but for Valor, I mean, there is another uh, comment from Reddit from Lofty QPR who wanted to uh, raise up some frustrations on uh, Diego Gutierrez of Valor, who is such a solid player mm. and such a consistent player for yeah. us, for them. But I think he does raise some good points in that he has uh, basically two major flaws is that he just passes backwards and sideways. He doesn't pass forward. And that when he does have opportunities in, you know, in the box, he doesn't necessarily get there a, a bunch. But when he has opportunities in the box, he doesn't shoot. He always looks for that pass. He sort of maybe complicates mm-hmm. things a bit more. And it's it's good points because I haven't really thought about that. But looking back at some of his performances, you're not wrong. I mean, I think there's a difference between a player like Caligari and, and, and Gutierrez, where Caligari, yes, he does pass back and he passes sideways, but he... He passes forward and he sort of keeps the play going. He's that that pace setter. And I think that's a bit different than, than Gutierrez. Because Gutierrez isn't really all that much a, a pace setter. He's, he's more of a distributor, you know, and, and obviously he's a hard hitter in defense. But in, on, in possession, I would like to see him be a bit more adventurous in his passing because you have players like Young Abire on the wing where if you want to be audacious and put a ball in for him, he probably will get there, and he probably will be able to stave off the defension, the the defense defender. Jesus, he'll probably be able to uh, stave off the defender, cut back in, and and bring the rest of the team into it. I feel like maybe that's something that um, Gutierrez might have to work on. What are your thoughts on on Gutierrez's uh, flaws here brought up you know, on Reddit? Yeah, I think that highlighted more because of how. Bala set up without uh, with sort of three central midfielders. There isn't a, like one of uh, I mean they had their Campbell and Pelosi, uh, Pelosi al- alongside him. And what I'd like to see is them play more of a four-two-three-one and get Kean Williams in the middle. Um, and then you've got Walter Ponce or Jared Ujoa who you could bring on to to a wing and partner them with Nyonga Bire, add some pace because I think Gutierrez he's not 
he's not that final third number. He's not going to play like a number 10 when he's got the ball. He's not going to be playing these cut through passes and things like that. But I feel that if you've got a player like Kean Williams playing more advanced in the middle with them, um, Gutierrez is going to be able to receive the ball and play like a short pass sideways or backwards. It doesn't matter. But if he can, if he's got a more creative player alongside him, he's finding a space for them. That's that's his real pro. He can get into a position to receive the ball and lay it off. And from there, if someone like Kean Williams is getting on it, and Younger Bire or Jared Ajoa or Novak or Siach, whoever it is, can they can then be making these runs to receive the second pass, um, and they can be getting getting on that. I think that's where. For me, Valor could be more dangerous. Um, but when you're relying on your central midfield who are looking for the next more dangerous player on the ball, like each or every all three of them, you're playing with you're not playing with anyone who can be like an advanced eight or a number ten. You're playing with a bunch of sixes. And that's that's the issue that they're having. They haven't got the right partnership. And I think Gutierrez and Campbell in the middle with Kean Williams ahead of them for me is what I would like. I don't know about you, but I think that's what they need. Yeah, I agree. I think they need just a bit more attacking intent in the midfield. And then that will allow Gutierrez mm. to not have to be that player to, you know, pushing forward and stuff like that. Um, and because that's probably not what he's comfortable with. He likes being that six, that kind of anchor in the midfield and, and, and doing the things that he does. And, I think instead of maybe having the player change all that much, it's changing a bit of the system, the personnel around him to get the best out of him. Cause he's, like I said, one of Valor's more, most consistent players. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And lastly, I guess moving forward for um, Valor and Vancouver, what's, what do both need to do? I mean, especially if, I think Vancouver, they need, they have a home game on Friday against Pacific. What do they need to do to against Pacific? a hard team to yeah. finally get that home win. Cause it felt like, you know, the stadium wasn't all that full, no. which is not a great sign on your third home match in your inaugural season. I feel like a win would bring a bit more people in. What do you think needs to happen for Vancouver to, to get across that line and get that home win? Yeah. They need points. Like you're competing with the white caps are in good form in the city. And yeah, you can play on a different game, but how many, People and families are going to be able to afford or want to use their entire money and weekend going to two different matches. So it's really difficult um, for Vancouver. They, they're being nice and organised. Um, they're showing those strengths, but they really need to just get a little bit more exciting as well. Um, Sandoval, for me, has been OK, but not what I think everyone was hoping for. Um, with sort of getting people he's not getting anyone on the edge of their seats he's performing quite well but I don't know if I'm being critical maybe but they, and losing out I think Sandoval Hunol and Bitar were about to form a fantastic trio and the injury to Bitar slowed slowed things down for Sandoval I think I think the way those three were playing could have created something very good um, and a little bit more dangerous going forward. Without him, I think the other players are still easing their way in, got these sort of got an itch to try and new faces and new people all over the place. Um, but I think if you get those three back, get Hundle up front with Bitar and Sandoval, I think this team becomes a little bit more exciting. I don't know if Bitar, I don't know when he's back, unfortunately. So I don't know if he'll be back for this one on Friday. Um but yeah, I think they're still it's it's gonna be hitting on the break and seeing if they can win. But at some point, 
they need to yeah get Bitar back and try and get a little bit more that fans can enjoy um, as much as just get the three points. Yeah, because it's not just you know getting the win. I think it's mm-hmm. it's especially since Afshin promised that they were going to play entertaining, fun, attacking football. Yeah. You have to deliver on it now. Now, especially <laughs> that you made that promise. Uh, you know, Afshin is a uh, is a manager with great confidence, and he's not afraid to make uh, bold assertions. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's up to him and the players to to back it up. Um, but for Valor, uh, Valor continue with this winless streak going all the way back now to April 16th, so well over a month. Uh, what, what I mean, obviously tough because of injury problems, but they showed glimpses in this match. How do they sort of take those glimpses and and turn it into an actual tangible result of, of three points? I think it's getting, like, like I was saying about Gutierrez, I think it's getting more players, uh, I think getting more pace on the wings and bringing, um, bringing Williams into the middle and get, so that Novak's or Siad, who plays forward, isn't as isolated. And their, their midfield, they can have that mix of creativity and dominance um, physically as well as in possession. They can move around. They just need to find ways of being a little bit more um, creative getting the ball into our areas and I mean younger Bire we rave about uh, and a lot of that is because of how much he does himself like the amount of work he does off the ball to win it back he's incredibly strong and then we'll run at players and cause havoc <laughs> with defences at times I think looking at the league with seven games in one team's on six draws, two teams on five draws, one team on four draws. It just shows how tight everything is. I mean, unless you're looking at Forge and Pacific, everyone else is so close together, quality-wise, as well as consistency-wise and things like that. So it's, at some point, someone you'd like to think is going to start breaking out and pushing and then making third place a little cushion above, above fourth, maybe, and things like that. But at the moment, everything's so tight, it's hard. Hard to see who's going to be that side that can do that little extra tweak to start getting a bit of a run together. Yeah, and and it comes down to I think, like you said, where it's just players and teams are the levels of quality are are getting so so tight now, where everyone's sort of on a similar or same level, and where you're going to have games like this. Which you know you want to see competition in the league, but obviously we want to have a weekend like two two weekends ago where it was like four or five goals in a match. That's the kind of games obviously fans want to see, and we're hoping we can see a bit more of that as things open back up um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but that's it for now for uh, our uh, roundup of match week number seven. Now we're going to move on to our player of the week. Um, I'll start with myself because I think mine's pretty obvious. Mine is Tristan Henry. Uh, just incredible match. Just the a wide array of saves, keeping his team into it. He was superb. It shows the quality that he has. It kind of puts a little bit of you know uh, f- uh, f- finger to the lips on for uh, his his haters, his naysayers. Um, and I think uh, you know when the ch- that's another sign of the champions is when you're not playing well, to have a keeper there to bail you out. So you can still get that result is how you continue to stay at the very, very top. And so I feel like that's that sort of exemplifies for him um, what what he means to this team. Um, But for for you, Mike, what was your uh, player of the week for this week? 
Yeah, Tristan was the uh, was the guaranteed, wasn't he? And we had to think of a second one, and it was really tight. I mean, most goalkeepers this weekend probably could have taken it as well. It's going to be very, very tightly uh, contested amongst all those for a second place there. I'll go with um, Bahia. Um, but just adding that extra bit that for for York and continuing to um, continue to make them dangerous. Um, I thought he played really well. He, he he got the goal. Um, but he was he played well with a, a trio of players that played really well um, behind De Rosario. Um, took his goal really well, really confident, taking it around the goalkeeper and taking it wide and finishing from the angle. Um, yeah, they, they, it's it's not just his performance but also how 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 well York are adapting to life without Babuli during his injury, as well as developing what they're doing as a team. Yeah, and I think that's something that um, uh, York fans will be happy to see, that these players like Baia and Alou are, are, are stepping up because you can't always rely on some players. As incredible players Mo Babuli is, you don't want to always rely on him uh, to be able to provide that spark because if he's out, what do you do? So it's great to see that these players are are stepping up and, and having performances like the one that Bahia had for this match. Um, but yeah, with that, that's all for this week's episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening to uh, this podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us once again on Twitter and on Instagram at Coast to Coast FC. Uh, so that you can give us your thoughts on each of the week's episodes. We're also now posting uh, on Reddit, uh, on the Canadian Premier League subreddit, so feel free to go on that. We'll be posting questions, some graphics, uh, obviously the episodes that we have, so feel free to comment, and let us know what you think, give us your opinions, so we can talk about it like we did today. And um, yeah, just make sure that uh, you keep getting engaged we love talking with our community and keep following us on all the platforms all the podcast platforms that we're on like google podcasts spotify apple and a a host of more we're adding more every week it seems but uh until next time i'm felipe ojejo and i'm mike rice and this has been coast to coast fc signing out